Phil, that was uh, Father James Martin. Boy, what a delightful guest, bright. Yeah. Uh, that, not, you know, there, I, I would say there aren't a lot of priests, there aren't a lot of clergy in any uh, uh, religion that are uh, as engaging as him, I would say. He's a tremendous communicator. Again, I want to mention his book, Learning to Pray, by James Martin, coming out February 2021. And, you know, um, it may not seem like such a bold thing to do to uh, speak out on behalf of the LGBT community within the Catholic Church. But having grown up Catholic, uh, it was unthinkable back then, unfortunately. And uh, a lot of a lot of people, a lot of people in that community, LGBT community, suffered as a result. But at least now I think they're making some headway. And it sounds like Pope Francis is uh, uh, much more open than uh, some of the other popes and uh clergy we've had in the past so yeah. yeah total delight interviewing him no i i mean we all know gay people who um suffered a lot of you know of having to keep secrets in the past and recrimination of various kinds but i guess if you grow up uh catholic there's also this uh you know going to hell thing hanging over your head as a as a young person, that must be very, very difficult to do. No, I, I think it, it's damaged a lot of people, and it wasn't only like uh, gay people having to keep secrets; it was actually them being uh, persecuted mm -hmm. and uh, uh, harsh. Yeah. But hopefully, hopefully, uh, the things evolve, things change, things move forward. He was very inspiring. Uh, his book sounds very interesting. Uh, but but the, the other thing I wanted to mention, Phil, was for those not familiar with the Jesuit order of. Uh, Catholic priests. I don't think there's a, 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 a women's uh, a version of, uh, of, of the Jesuits. Maybe there is. But in any event, they're very, very scholarly. It's the equivalent of getting a PhD. It's way more uh, a yeah. book learning. It's way more scholarship than, uh, than the average priest. And the average priest has to go through a lot of you know academic training as well. But this is yeah. uh, uh, quite... And that's why there have been so many influential and uh, better known uh, Jesuits. Yes, and I discovered, uh, you know, not having grown up Catholic, I thought they were all the same. And, you know, later in life, I realized there's different orders of uh, within mm -hmm. the, the church. And it turns out that, you know, uh, the Jesuits have been, you know, they've made tremendous contributions with, with respect to education. And, science. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's fascinating. Um, I've you know given a lot of talks and uh, at uh, Loyola Marymount here in L.A. In fact, uh, we recently had Christopher Chapel on again uh, on the show, and you know he teaches at Loyola Marymount and started uh, the first yoga studies master's degree program in in the country at a Jesuit or institution, which is, I found fascinating, you know, yeah. that they, they seem to be much more open-minded and much uh, broader in their scope of uh, interest. Right. You know, it's uh, one thing that's changed a lot in uh, Jesuit education, colleges and high school, especially is uh, when my brother back in the early sixties went to a Jesuit uh, prep school and uh, he mentioned St. Peter's in Jersey city. Uh, at least half the, uh, the teachers in the school, I believe, were Jesuits. Not a lot of people are becoming priests or nuns anymore. And mm -hmm. if you look at Jesuit high schools now, and I don't know about colleges, I would think it's the same. 
the, maybe the principal is a Jesuit, maybe there's one Jesuit teacher, uh, but it's mostly lay teachers. So that affects things as well. And, um, you know, in some ways, the Catholic Church, as I see it in America, has what I would consider to be uh, gone through a process of evolution, more open-mindedness and all. On the other hand, there's a conservative element that I think is right back there in the 50s. And I, and I didn't, I, one thing I wanted to bring up, I didn't ask it in the interview, but it was uh, in the uh, 60s during the civil rights movement, uh, the, at the forefront of the movement, the march from Selma and all, there were priests and nuns. Uh, there mm. are kids yeah. that are separated from their families at the, uh, at the border with Mexico. And, and I haven't heard a lot from Catholic church or from uh, any major religious group in the United States, not just the Catholics, <clears throat> that's really been uh, strongly outspoken about it, it's, especially from the mainstream religions that have, that have clout. And, and to his credit, I mean, Father uh, uh, Martin, you know, he, he talked about that. You yeah. know, on the one hand, you say you're pro-life. On the other hand, <clears throat> you know, capital punishment and other things that demean or relinquish like uh, 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 people aren't dealing with. So I'll, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that <clears throat> there were uh, religious organizations uh, down at the border helping. Uh, and, right, I'm sure there are. And I, you know, because there's a lot of that that people aren't aware of. It doesn't make the news, but there's socially active uh, Catholic and Jewish and um, and uh, Protestant organizations especially that are uh, always ready to, you know, help people in need. That, that's true. But uh, getting back to what I was saying, I don't think you hear it officially. It, ah, is right, there a right. decree from the, from the cardinal, from the bishop in the Catholic church, from, from uh, whatever the uh, structure is in Protestant and Jew, in Jewish organizations. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people within those organizations and a lot of clergy in those organizations that are outspoken, but uh, I don't hear enough. And I don't, I certainly don't hear as much, uh, or it isn't as visible as it was during the civil rights. Yeah, and, and he, he, Father Martin mentioned uh, Daniel Berrigan when we were talking about the you know political differences within the church. I remember being in the anti-war movement in, back in the 60s and 70s, and Daniel Berrigan was a hero. Wasn't it the Berrigan brothers? Yeah, well, yeah, I, yeah, that's right. They were brothers. Dan, yeah, I forget who. Um, getting yeah. old, Dennis. Um, it was also interesting uh, to discover this article he wrote recently about the uprising at the Capitol uh, and uh, taking to task certain uh, Catholic priests uh, who he felt were helping to foment um, what uh, ended up, you know, being this uh, deadly uh, violence in, in Washington. Uh, he, and he called to task in this article a particular priest um, who was uh, telling people that, you know, terrible things about Biden and saying things like you can't be a Catholic and be a Democrat, and <laughs> which will come as a surprise <laughs> to an awful lot of people. But, uh, you know, he's, he's taking a public stand uh, that, you know, is... Uh, yeah. And, and then the, the question comes up, uh, Phil, and not just with Catholicism, but all religions, should they be political or should they stay totally yeah, out of yeah. politics? And it, it seems like uh, it's been impossible to stay totally out of politics. And I mean, in Catholicism, you have these conservative, conservative 
priests that are what we would consider super right wing. And the other hand, you have these, uh, uh, I forget, what, what is it called? These revolutionary, you know, these priests that served yeah. in Central and South America that had a totally liberation, liberation, liberation theology. theology. Yeah, that was a big thing. So there's huge. So within that organization, within the Catholic Church, there's a huge uh, uh, yeah. uh, uh, distance between those two. And, and I have to say this. <clears throat> when I was in Italy, um, Rome, about two years ago, a little less than two years ago, I, I talked to a lot of people there. And uh, the Catholic Church is very, uh, you know, most people are Catholic, although most people are not practicing Catholics. But there was a lot of anger amongst uh, the amongst people, not all people, but many people that I encountered because they felt Pope Francis was too uh, forgiving, too kind, too generous to the immigrants. Mm. And uh, they felt they, they're coming and they're creating problems at all. Why is this Pope? He's causing us a lot of trouble. So uh, that was uh, very interesting to, to, to see up close. So I, I guess every religion, every group has factions and yeah. they are, are battling one another. And I think uh, certainly, uh, Father Martin represents a progressive element of the Catholic Church. Absolutely. And I think that's been very inspiring for those people that are progressive. Yeah, and very good for people to know about, because yeah. I think I think the uh, the conservative, right, the right-wing Catholics and, and Protestants get a lot of press uh, because they're very vocal and very passionate and they're very well organized <laughs> and, very, and have been you know, very political. Uh, you know, and so we have things like uh, former Attorney General Bill Barr, being who's very uh, conservative Catholic, sort of uh, in line with uh, people who are uh, conservative right-wing evangelicals, and it, it's it's a an interesting well, well, phenomenon. Well, also, well, one yeah. observation I have to say, I had. Uh, again, growing up Catholic, I encountered a lot of priests in my life, and not just priests, but ministers, rabbis, and all. And some people that live, uh, you know, religious life like that, uh, seem they, they don't seem like happy people. And some of them even feel, you know, and I, I think especially amongst priests, maybe they for uh, they, they didn't uh, get married, they they felt they made sacrifice, they didn't look happy, they looked angry a lot of the time. Yeah, and it, I, it goes that way. Uh, Father I had the same really, problem with certain rabbis. Yeah, Father Martin really <laughs> seems like a happy, balanced guy. Whether you like what he says or not, I do like what he says. Uh, but he seemed like a really, he really was enjoying what you he You know what doing. I wonder about? Very impressive. I wonder if, if anybody's ever done studies on people who go into the priesthood, who go in after having a bit of a life, like he worked for General Electric. Right for six years and then went into the priesthood. Right. Is that different from somebody like going in right after high school or, you know, felt, had the calling at an early age? Right. I, what, is, yeah. what is it? Well, you can make the argument and I and I, and I think uh, uh, priests would even, uh, or nuns would even make the same argument that, that don't jump right into this, go experience the world. Yeah. What was the sound of music the nuns told the, you know, uh, uh, the main character go and, uh, you know, experience life a little bit before you make this decision. And so, and, and I think uh, my understanding was always that they really encouraged people to, um, to think through <laughs> rather than, but yeah. I'm sure there were other people that were pushed in at 14. And I know a lot, a lot of, amongst a lot of Catholic families back in the day, if they had five sons, they wanted one to be a priest. If they had five daughters, they wanted one to be a nun. 
and there was pressure that way. I yeah. think for those people, those are the people that are usually probably not so happy. Yeah, that's probably true. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I've done all this research about uh, the, the Hindu tradition and a lot of the very famous uh, gurus that we know uh, wanted to be uh, monks, wanted to take sannyasi vows, and their guru said, no, 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 not yet. Go to school. Yeah, well, that was the story of Maharishi, Mar- who we studied and, with. Yes. Yeah, his, his teacher told him, go finish college and then come back. Same with Yogananda. Mm-hmm. And then even, you know, afterward, didn't just let him yeah. dive right there's a, there's a saying in, in, in Catholicism when it comes to um, uh, choosing a, a religious way of life, a priest or nun, and that's many are called, but few are chosen. Sure, a lot so, of people get the feeling, yeah. this is for me, but, you know, yeah. At the end of the day, it isn't. And so that's, uh, and, and yeah. I think a lot wash out on the way. Oh, no. But I think question. these days, very few are going in that direction. So I don't know. Yeah. What so, Tennis, you grew yeah. up Catholic. Let's talk about uh, Father Martin's uh, new book, Learning to Pray. Did you learn to pray as a Catholic? Did you, were you, what, no. was, what uh, did what, you think what, about that, prayer? Very, very good question, Phil. Uh, <laughs> Uh, because uh, I know, I mean, I, I mean, I'm trying, they, they, there were certain prayers, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, or if you're going to die, say the, you know, uh, Confidio Dei, the, the, the act of contrition, where you're asking, so it's sort of like that, and you do it so many, you know, then the one that was really hard on all kids that I knew was the rosary, because it was this repetition, and it, it was never going to end, and you kept <laughs> saying the same thing over and over again. And later on, they talked about having a conversation with God. That was sort of after my time. And then it wasn't until many years later when I met some Trappist monks when I was teaching TM at a, at a monastery or in, doing the follow-up course at a monastery that I heard about, you know, non-conceptual prayer, which is what TM was for me, what meditation was, that, you know, you, it, it was something totally different. And so, uh, yes, yeah, so no, I, I think... And, and look, there might have been priests and nuns back in the day that had great insights in this and maybe even told me and it just went over my head. But I don't remember anything other than, oh, God, you got to pray now. It's going to take forever. <laughs> and it's like you got to say. And if you don't, you feel guilty. I, I think it caused a lot of people to become obsessive compulsive. And it was like, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. So hopefully I think I think the attitude toward prayer has changed dramatically. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm actually, I'm looking forward to Father Martin's book to hear what he has to say about it, because obviously he's very insightful. But yeah, the, the, the yeah. and in, in Judaism, when you, you, you didn't get a religious upbringing. No, but, when my, but, but, in when my I, house, it was, it was like, <laughs> prayer seemed to be, you know, it was one of the more ridiculous things that people did. It's like, what, yeah. what are you praying to? Who are you talking to? Yeah, who are you talking to? What did he say? <laughs> so yeah. I had no... No yeah. sense of it at all. And but if you were, if you were a Catholic kid and you were told you had to say the rosary, it was going to be like a half hour, and it was like oh, tedious. It was just you know maybe there were those kids that had extreme spiritual experiences and all, but I never encountered any. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not too late, Dennis. <laughs> yeah. Let's get off the. Let's get well, off the call. I want I want you doing the rosary, and and then you would you could call it japa. Japa meditation with the uh, with and then the it was something qualities. called the Stations of the Cross, where you—I mean, it was. It, it, let's say uh, you know, lots of stuff. <laughs> okay. Next time. Next time. Good one. Over okay. now.